the path doesn't have to be straight. We have a lot of information that we can point you to. Value courage. Hey everyone, I'm Sue Robinson. And I'm Vanessa Alava. And this is the We Get Real AF podcast, a safe and inclusive place where we redefine feminism and bridge cultural gaps with each episode. We talk with female leaders about things that matter to you most, your health, finances, raising kids, building your career, everyday life, and so much more. Plus, we take a look at how emerging tech and science are shaping our future. Not a coder or a rocket scientist, neither are we. We will spark your curiosity and give you practical advice for living your best life in a world that's changing at lightning speed. Let's learn together. Join us every Tuesday for smart, real, and relatable conversations. And subscribe, rate, and comment wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You can also find at We Get Real AF across all social media platforms for exclusive online video content. So grab a coffee, set your intentions, and let's dive in. Up next is Real Money with Nicole Hartwig, fintech leader and founder of Capri, a financial wellness app created by women for women. Hey, everybody. Well, we are back with great financial advice. One of the things that you may find in December, hopefully in your Christmas stocking or under the tree, is a holiday bonus from your boss. And if that is the case, Nicole has some great advice for us today on how to be a really good steward of that money and some ways that you can think about saving, spending, investing. So Nicole, what should we do if we get a bonus? Well, first of all, if you have a bonus waiting for you, congratulations. That's yes. so exciting. Yes. Congrats. Woo. You know, let's just celebrate that. <laughs> I know we like expect them all year long and we just like wait for them to appear in our bank accounts, but it really is a, an amazing blessing to receive a windfall of cash. And um, I think that it can feel a little bit overwhelming. And sometimes you can sort of feel pulled in a lot of different directions. Like you have this cash, you're looking at it, you're like, there's so many things that this could go toward. What do I do with it? What do I prioritize? How do I handle it? So first of all, I just want to normalize that. I just want to say that there are people in the world who know exactly what to do, what, what they want, when they want it. There are people who are really calm like they're those people who are like Jedi calm in a used car dealership under like the greatest sales pressure. You know what I mean? They're those people who just have that calm centered decision-making and they know exactly what to do in the moment. But there are also people like myself who need some time to make a decision about something. These are the people who sometimes have a big decision hangover, right? This feeling after you've made a decision like, oh boy, did I do the right thing? I don't know if I did the right thing. And I just want to say that if you are one of those people who needs some more time, know that it's okay for you to not know the second that that money hits your account, what it is that you want to do with it. And that it, it's okay if it's not allocated by day two. Um, so I just want to mention that. But also if you're getting your bonus after the holidays have passed, <laughs> you probably wanted it before the holidays happened, but if you're getting it after the holidays have passed, you know, consider number one, just using it to pay back the way that you overstretched for the holidays, right? So that's the, the, the number one easiest thing to do. If you leaned on a credit card to buy some of those gifts, pay that money back before you have to pay interest on it. That's like just credit usage 101, right? Um, it'll feel really good to just get that balance gone. And essentially you gave yourself a cash advance, right? So that's, that's item number one piece of advice Another piece of advice is to 
use this bonus to, of course, get ahead for next year. And you can use this year's holiday spending as data to decide how much of that bonus you do need to allocate for next year. It might not need to be the whole thing. I hope it's not the whole thing. I hope that your bonus is is much bigger than what you spend over the holidays. But if it's not, just use that data from what it is that you spent this holiday season. Set aside that money for next year. And just like be so pleased with yourself next year when you go to start to start making purchases and you've already set that money aside. That's the best feeling. Paying off debt. This is one that's, of course, everybody knows. Yes. Yes, we know when we get a windfall of cash, we're supposed to use it to pay off debt. It doesn't have to be the whole thing. It can be a chunk, but it just feels so good to pay off debt. And you know, if you need to tap into some positive motivation, if it feels like like painfully parting with cash that you wanted to spend on a new something, a new bag. Just remember, get to see that that change in your balance. Your balance goes down. Your credit utilization goes down. Well, your, your credit, credit score, score goes, goes up. up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Credit score goes up. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. Exactly. And hey, that's satisfying, right? It, of course, it's satisfying to make purchases and buy things that we want, but it's also really, really satisfying to go and check your credit score a month later and see, ooh, Oh, 10 points. Okay. Okay. That's really satisfying. Another thing that you can do is, of course, you can invest that money. You can invest a portion of that money. You can start with the company. This is not sponsored. I just like them. You can start with a company like Elvest. They're a wonderful, you know, women-focused company that's built around the experiences of women. Maybe you're starting to invest in the stock market, starting to invest in Maybe it's another asset class. Maybe it's real estate. But investing that money doesn't have to mean that you're investing in the stock market. I think this is this is something that we tend to think investing equals investing in the stock market. And mm-hmm. of course, that's really overwhelming for a lot of people, right? Investing doesn't mean that you have to invest in the stock market. You can invest in whatever asset class is comfortable for you or whatever asset class you have ex- expertise in. But it can also mean investing in something that's a little less traditional that could make you money like your own side hustle or the business that you're building. You know, having startup capital for your own business is a massive advantage in building your business. It's something that most people don't have. And it's something that's really hard to find. So being able to buy that first piece of equipment, buy that website, you know, pay that website developer, buy the supplies that you need, that is major key in getting started on on building your business. So just find something to invest in that is going to help you build your wealth long-term, right? Find a way to invest in yourself, whether that's the stock market, because it's something you're excited about, whether it's real estate, whether it's your first home flip, whether it's your side business, whatever it is, just if you can set aside a portion of that money to invest in something that's going to help you build your wealth long-term, that's going to make future you really happy that you did that. Ah, such solid mm-hmm. advice on all grounds. And I love the fact that you you mentioned it's not all or nothing because a lot of people feel like they get X amount. What am I going to do with this whole? Am I going to mm-hmm. put it through it this way, throw it that way, put it here, save it there. When you can take pieces of it, take percentages of it and say, okay, well, I'm going to put this larger percent here. And then I'm going to take this little bit here, try to hit a few different places. But you also hit on something that I feel is always a pain point. I'm going to be super vulnerable and transparent here about my personal life. My 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 husband's always a saver, and I come from a, a family of 
say uh spenders and generosity like over generous like even when we were not even in the position to be generous that's kind of my upbringing so it's been a nice balance and he's taught me a lot about saving and it's been great but i do feel sometimes his mentality on the saving part is that we get a chunk of change and if we do have credit card debt or we've been leaning on the uh, credit card as a cash advance to to cover something until we get new money it's almost like a slap on the hand you know, so how can we have those conversations with our spouse? If you're in that position, we're trying to do the best we can, but we're trying to save. There's always that balance in that middle ground that we're trying to achieve. But how can we have that conversation of like, hey, just because we're paying down debt doesn't mean that's shame on us for having debt. We should look mm -hmm. at it in a different way. So how can we change that to be a positive conversation? Absolutely. I think that is, first of all, it's wonderful that you share that. And I think every, every couple in any different situation can relate to that. Managing money in a partnership is so, so challenging. And I think that the healthiest thing that we can do as individual people, right? Because that's the best we can do, right? In a relationship is be our own best self is to remember and remind ourselves. And this takes constant reminding, remind ourselves that we are in constant active choice about the things that we're doing, right? As an entrepreneur myself, myself and my partner, we're always having conversations about being in active choice about the things that we're doing. We are taking risks because, we are doing this because. Remember that we are in this choice because we're looking for this outcome. And I think reconnecting back to why it is, it's even nice to think about what was that debt? You know, sometimes we get into debt, we get into credit card, we leverage ourselves because we want something, right? We want something mm -hmm. in particular. We want a piece of furniture. We want a new piece of equipment. We want a house. We want a car. And that debt can then just become a number, right? Like a, just a widget that we see that's just that mounts and mounts and we feel a certain way about. But remember what that debt got you, right? Remember what that leverage gave to you and of remember course. why it is that mm -hmm. you chose that, right? Not all debt is bad debt, right? We wouldn't have credit scores if we didn't have any debt, if we weren't leveraging anything about our finances. So I think reminding ourselves that we're an active choice about those things, reminding ourselves, reconnecting to why we made the choices that we made helps us kind of get out of that really highly charged emotional state around money that is so easy to get into and just reorients us to what it is that we're doing, the present moment, why we did that, why we're here and how we're moving forward. I love that you said that because I think money is so closely tied to guilt, to mm. just emotions, right? And, and emotions can really get in the way of being strategic and effective with any resource. And so I think it's important to think of money not as something that you have to get emotional about, but it's a tool in your toolkit for life, right? And mm -hmm. if, if you just objectify it as it's a tool, I'm either going to use it to address this facet of my life or this one over here and try to just take the emotion out of it. But I think that's really hard to do. I think that to your point, it's a practice and you have to be really intentional and you have to keep reminding yourself over and over again, this is a tool. It's not something I need to be emotional about in general. Absolutely. And also working through to understand what your approach is to money. You know, we all come from different sort of approaches to money. Many of us, I would say most of us come from scarcity mindsets, um, especially if, you know, our, our parents were close to relatives who lived through the, the depression, you know, mm -hmm. we're still living through that generational trauma around scarcity. So if you can start to pinpoint, if that's your knee jerk reaction is like, oh my gosh, we need to put, you know, all that money towards this, or, or if it's a panic feeling, then, you know, that's a red flag, right? 
that's a knee jerk reaction. Where is that coming from? It's likely coming from a really deep seated belief that you have that you might not be present to consciously. It might not be something that's top of mind that you think about consciously, but something that you're really operating from deep down because it's how you were raised. It's what you were taught. It's what you Mm -hmm. saw. Absolutely. I would just say, lastly, the past nearly two years have been really hard. They've been hard on a lot of people. We all need a little bit of de-stressing. I just want to say and normalize and, and write the permission slip that if you want to spend some money on and really an investment in your own health and your own self-care, know that that's, you know, yes, it's a luxury and also it's an investment in yourself and in your wellness and in your health. And that's okay. It's actually one of the best investments that you can make and it pays dividends in, in all areas of your life. So whether that's going and getting a massage, whether that's going to a meditation class, whether that's buying a, you know, a pack of classes at, at the local yoga studio, whatever that looks like for you. I just want to write you the permission slip to, to do that because it's, it's not just an expenditure. It, it is an investment in your health. It is a financial investment in your health. So do that. If that feels like it's healing for you. Uh, well, you heard is, it here first. Nicole yes. Hartwig has given you the permission. You have been granted permission to treat yourself because it's good for your well-being and your mind. A hundred percent. And that is such a great note to end on. Take care of yourself. And because again, money is a tool in your life, but you got you come first and you got to take care of your, your mental health and everything else follows. So thank you so much, Nicole. Love having you as part of our WeGraph team. Thank you. Welcome to Tech Talk. And here's what's going on in the world of tech and science. All right, tech news. End of November, Twitter banned the sharing of photos and videos of private individuals without their consent, the company said in a blog post. The update to its private information policy notes that people can contact the microblogging platform to have such media removed. Their ban doesn't apply to public figures if the media and the tweet are quote unquote in the public interest, but content featuring those people can be removed if Twitter thinks it's being shared in a negative way to harass. So uh, Twitter trying to, um, you know, again, put some arms around the sharing of information and photos about other people, which is probably a good thing. It is interesting to me because if I took a picture with you, Sue, Unless it was a, a picture that I didn't think that you would approve of, I would put it up because it's a cute picture, right? Mm-hmm. So now if I put that up, unless you say something to Twitter, really nothing is changing, right? So I, I guess this is really to put a, a slap on the hand to anybody that might be using pictures in you know, unscrupulous ways. Mm-hmm. Because again, most friends are okay with someone putting a picture up, again, unless somebody has their eyes closed and don't, doesn't like the picture, but are you really going to contact Twitter if it's right. just that it was a bad picture of you? Right. So, um, that's, that's in my eyes, I'm like, okay, this is good. They have this out there in case somebody, you know, especially with parents, right. Parents with children. I think that's a huge plus, right? Like, Hey, I don't want this picture of my child up there, but we've also talked about this, you know, in other episodes about how they've been tweaking things with children and privacy and all of that. So, it kind of leans into that. I, I think it's a good thing, but I also don't see it really dramatically changing how we interact on Twitter. At the right? end of the day, it may provide 
the most protection to Twitter in terms of potential mm -hmm. lawsuits, because they've now put a policy in place that says, well, we told you, you can't do that. So maybe that's what it really ends up doing. But, you know, it's just a reminder to think twice, I guess, about what yeah. kinds of pictures you're posting, because we're now walking all of us around with a camera 24 seven. So agreed. Well, in other news, uh, we've talked about this, Sue, about how, you know, advertisements are going to start coming in through our DMs on social media. Well, it's not just advertisements. It's going to be debt collection as well. Mm -hmm. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so a law um, is going into effect or just came into effect, actually, um, that debt collectors can contact debtors uh, using social media through their messages. They have to announce who they are right off the bat. They can't pretend to be a friend first or anything like that. So they have rules and regulations they have to abide by, but they can indeed contact you through your social media accounts to let you know that you owe them money. So the evolution of debt collection. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense because DMs are just another means of communication now, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I guess it's another tool for debt collectors. So pay your bills, folks. <laughs> I guess, exactly. or else be ready when you open your DMs <laughs> to have a nasty surprise. That's the latest on uh, tech news that we think that you'd be interested in that affects your daily life. Hey there, we hope you're enjoying the show. Do you work for a company or brand that wants to empower women? We're looking for sponsors for the We Get Real AF podcast. Reach out to us at wegetrealaf at gmail.com for more information. You can also show your support by finding the We Get Real AF podcast at ifundwomen.com. We have patron exclusives waiting just for you. Thanks for listening. Moving on to Profesh Sesh with Elisa Walters, our professional recruiter and talent specialist, where we talk all things career development. It's the holidays. It's so exciting. We are busy, 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 and we're still working in addition to everything else. So today we're going to talk with Elisa about how do you stay productive and keep your A game? Elisa, how do we do it? Yeah, I think, you know, we're... I know personally for me, ready to, to be done for the rest of the year <laughs> um, and feeling like, you know, the, the finish line is almost there and the company, you know, PTO is right around the corner from maintaining productivity, set realistic expectations, be transparent, communicate with your manager about time off that you might need, um, time where you might be popping in and out because you've got things that you're juggling. From a manager's perspective, be realistic. Don't set unrealistic expectations, knowing that we're coming in to the end of the year um, when people have a lot of things going on, that people have, um, you know, family obligations and just, you know, understanding that this is a joyous time of year for most people and embrace that. You know, I think we've, we've seen in the past uh, and COVID has really changed this where, companies would have holiday parties. You also, I think if you want to keep your employees productive, you still need to give them something to look forward to from a morale boosting perspective. So you might start Zoom lunches where you send everybody a DoorDash gift certificate and everybody can have lunch together. Or 
you hire one of these great companies that do these remote cookie baking classes or candle making classes or something. So also give them something to look forward to from a work perspective, because we're seeing that, you know, companies just aren't doing the holiday party thing anymore. And, and people really looked forward to that. So again, I think it comes down to setting realistic expectations and being really good at the communication aspect. As you were saying it, it struck me that so many of those tips are great for all year round, right? Like setting realistic expectations, being organized, communicating both from the manager to the employee and vice versa. I mean, my goodness, those are especially important at this time of year, but if we could do those things all year round, I think we'd all be more productive and more realistic in what we expect of each other. I would also just add as an employer or as a manager to realize everyone is running around doing all the holiday things and they are um, distracted. So setting expectations for your, for your end of year organization goals, like what are you really going to accomplish end of November going into the whole month of December? really, because most people are taking the time off. Most people, again, are distracted with other things. So really being pragmatic as to what what needs to be done, what has to be done, and, and giving your employees flexibility because this time of year lends itself for that. And then also, I wanted to touch on something that, you know, productivity, as we said, any time of year can be, you need to be motivated and set yourself up for success there too. But like, can we just talk about the weather? Because right now it's starting to get colder in North Carolina where I am. And that alone, just my productivity, like my motivation, I should say dips, right? Because I, I even working out, like I don't want to go outside, it's freezing cold. And then it's like, it's like a sluggish to even get to the next task of like personal or like business, right? It's like, okay, which one do I tackle? Okay, let me do this one first. So Elisa, do you have any advice as to how to get over that hump of like, if you're struggling and you're like, okay, I need a reset, what can you do during this time of year to kind of be like, okay, press the reset button, rewind and start again? Part of the reason that I have such a love-hate relationship, East Coast, West Coast, is that um, I definitely am somebody who is impacted by that weather um, and, and my productivity's tanks. Um, I think number one is give yourself permission and know that it's okay if you're not, if you don't necessarily feel like if you're, if you're a perfectionist and it, it's hard for you to, you don't beat yourself up. I guess is, is what I'm saying. If getting outside and going for the run or not fully completing, you know, a task that you have to wait until next year, whatever, be okay with that um, is number one. I'm also a big believer in, um, you know, again, if you've got something like a Headspace app or Calm app, they have it where you could set even just three minutes and, and, and give yourself three minutes to just sit there in silence and do some deep breathing because I am a big believer that meditation and deep breathing is like a huge shot of espresso and it can help rejuvenate you. Um, maybe before, you know, the end of the day and it starts to get dark, you go outside and, and, and walk, even if it's for 10 minutes or you do some jumping jacks or something like that, something that might help you kind of just re- recharge, um, that, that then you can sit back down and, and 
and work on whatever project it is you're trying to see through. So definitely don't be too hard on yourself um, if something doesn't get completed, um, but giving yourself little things to bring you back if you need that, that proverbial shot of espresso. Right. Well, you're right. Cause at the end of the day, you do have to show yourself grace, but you also have to get shit done. Right. Mm-hmm, <laughs> so you need, mm-hmm. you need something to bring you back. So I love that. And I think you were going to talk about, um, this can be a challenging time of year too, if you're changing jobs and trying to make this a productive couple of months for job changers. So what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think that if, if you, you know, you're coming up on the end of the year, uh, potentially looking to pivot out of your role or make your side hustle, your full-time hustle. If you are somebody that works for a company that isn't in the retail space or where things aren't, you know, crazy this time of year, really maximize that time when you can, um, where you can maybe spend an hour each day uh, submitting resumes to new jobs or working on your resume to to send out. Or um, if you know that you want to get onto TikTok or whatever it is, or you need to enhance your social media skills because your side hustle requires it, give yourself I'm, I'm, I think I've said this many times on this podcast, I, I'm a big fan of batching out my day. So if you have that where you can batch out your day, you know that you've got a little bit of downtime in your full-time role, then use you know an hour or two to work on something that's going to get you to that next step in the new year. Um, so I, I think that as chaotic and crazy as things can be around this time of year, Things are also slower in a lot of areas. And if you are fortunate enough to be in an area where you've got, you might be twiddling your thumbs one day, use that time to make the next thing happen for yourself. Um, Putting those little steps into place can really that, that just that little bit of productivity, whether it's an hour each day, 20 minutes each day, coming into the new year with that that ready to go attitude um, can can get you there, I, I believe, a lot faster than if you wait until the new year to start taking some action steps. Can you unpack a little bit more what you mean by batching your work yeah. day? I've, I've heard that sort of in broad strokes, but I'm intrigued by what that could actually look like if you could walk us through a, a work day where you're doing that. Yeah. And I think it's, it, it is probably a lot easier for somebody who either works for themselves or works fully remote but even just in my day-to-day of my full-time job. Um, so as a recruiter, I am at any given time managing 15 to 20 recs. Um, those are 15 to 20 potential different hiring managers that I'm working with. Um, so I really, and I, I do this the start of my work week, is I look at my rec load for the week, anticipate what might be new that's coming, anticipate what offers are going to be going out and understanding, okay, where am I at? Is this a new rec? Do I need to schedule kickoff calls? So the way that I, the way that I batch out my day is based on highest priority. If offers are going out, then Monday between this time and this time, that's all my offers. And I shut off to everything else. And then by Monday afternoon, maybe between 2 and 4 p.m., that's when I'm sourcing candidates for a job that I just kicked off. Um, So really giving 
a dedicated amount of time to a specific thing. So you're not feeling overwhelmed by all the tasks that you, tasks that you have to complete. And obviously there are situations that happen throughout the day. You might get a text from your boss being like, hey, did you, did you see that email I sent? I, you know, I, I do need an answer on that. Giving yourself the flexibility to pivot if you need to, but being able to come right back into that, knowing that this time is specifically dedicated to complete this task, whatever industry you're in. And then also with that, in your batched out day, you're also batching out days for maybe you're taking a 30 minute walk, giving yourself 30 minutes to eat lunch, whatever it is to kind of help with that work-life balance. Very intentional. Very intentional. Very <laughs> I intentional. love that. I wanted to, to piggyback on a few things. If you're in the position of looking for new work, or even if you're overwhelmed is a big thing during this time and productivity and overwhelm, you know, there's a blurred line, right? Um, but I, I want to lean into the fact that it's the little things that make big impacts. So kind of taking things in bite-sized pieces, um, and especially for people who, let's say, this is a time of year that they're looking for that next thing. Um, it, sending small notes to people through LinkedIn or an email, it doesn't have to be a paragraph. It could literally be thinking of you, happy holidays, a hope to connect um, early next year, something to that effect. And you can repurpose that because you mean that for multiple people in sending those messages. I mean, those are little things that you can do that still keeps you in the mix, re, you know, keeping those relationships alive. And if it's been a while, it's nice for someone to receive something like that, you know? So again, I'm, I'm a huge believer, little things that make a really big impact and make those little dents. And that way, at the end of the month, you could say, wow, I've reached out to how many people over mm -hmm. that time? So let's say you use that batching technique that Elisa just mentioned and say, you know what, from X time, from, you know, one to three o'clock on Tuesday and Thursday, I'm going to set time aside to reach out to those people, whoever that is, to make a list of those people. It, it adds up over time. Yeah. And discipline I yourself not to give into distractions and interruptions. Cause I think that's the hardest thing, right? Is, mm -hmm. is you get, you get text messages or phone calls or things come up in your day and all of a sudden you're not on, on task. I also just want to point out that what you said, Vanessa, I think is a great idea to do during the holidays. I also think January, if you don't get to it during you know, the holidays, I think January is a great time to do that. Happy new year. Um, hope you had great holidays because I don't feel like people are getting as many uh, social correspondences in the month of January. And so if you are looking for a job or looking to connect with people, build your network, January can be a really good month to do that. Cause it tends to be a little bit quieter from a social standpoint, cause everybody's catching their breath after the holidays. Yeah. I love that. I love that idea. Um, we're, we always talk about building your network on here too. And even if that's the intention that you set for yourself during the month of December, that's going to help you in the new year. And maybe that's, you make it, it's simply just making a list of the people that in the new year, you want to intentionally send a happy new year message to yep. that, that may be all you have in you, but again, those, those little things making a bigger impact. And, and that could be something that that might be all you have time for, but that is something that you could feel accomplished and ready to hit the ground running in, in, in January. So those little things, and maybe your productivity in the month of December, it can be something as little as 
getting out when it's still light out and, and taking a 10 minute walk. And, and maybe you're the type of person who needs to process thoughts and maybe it's a mental list that you're doing and that walk can help kind of help you springboard into what your, your goals for January might be. That might be what, what productivity in the month of December or during the holidays might look like for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Just starting to gather your thoughts and get yourself into that headspace. That's being productive, productive too. I love that you said that, Elisa, because, you know, sometimes for, at least personally for me, I'll have a task that needs to get accomplished. Right. And there are little things that need to happen before I even like really dig in. So as far as like spreading it out and making, making those little things, uh, little lists or little, whatever it is that make the big impact for the, the greater project, um, is, is huge. And two, I've had to reframe my brain to thinking this project can be split out and it's okay that it's split out because it's saving my sanity at this moment, because I'm such a, like, I'm going to sit down and do it all from start to finish. Like, and if I leave it unfinished, I feel incomplete. And I've had, especially, especially as a mom, I've had to let go of those types of things Mm -hmm. because I, I I only set myself up for failure in that regard, because then it's all the negative talk, right? Like I didn't finish that thing. And I should have, because now it's going to set me back this day or that day. Like it's a spiral. So being okay with how things get accomplished as long as they get accomplished by your deadline, right? Like, I think that is huge. And I just want to say it out loud because it's taken me a while to, to get into that groove and be okay with things, with projects, um, it, you know, in motion, but not yet completed. Yeah. It's so funny that you say that, Vanessa, because I remember when my kids were little, like I was always the kind of person who would want to just sit down and go deep on something for a couple of hours straight. And that no longer was an option. And it was such a huge adjustment for me to realize, okay, I'm going to have, if this is going to happen at all, it's going to happen in parts and pieces. And I'm not going to be able to see the end from the beginning, but I still have to move forward. And, and I think it's really good because I think a lot of people end up procrastinating if they have that all or nothing mindset. It's like, oh, I don't have time to do the whole thing. So I'm just going to keep pushing off and then it gets bigger and it gets to be more of a dreaded task. Right. But if you let perfection get in the way of progress, you'll never get there. You'll just, you'll just be procrastinating. So uh, I, yeah, little steps, little steps and check them off and know that you have momentum and just keep going. Amen to momentum for sure. Yeah. And Sue, you always, you both say this, you know, doing it with grace. Um, and I think that that's something to, that, you know, remind yourself of that. Um, because I think that sometimes we, especially as women, we don't give ourselves enough credit for all that we can do and that we do in a day, um, especially uh, working moms. Um, and, you know, just all of the things that we we are able to tackle in a day, I don't think we give ourselves enough grace because it, it's a lot. And we, I think we're, you know, we're superheroes in that sense. And I think that we don't, we don't give ourselves enough credit for, for what we can do and what productivity looks like to us <laughs> um, or lack thereof somebody else wishes that they, they had. Um, and I love the tips that you gave Vanessa is like knowing that, you know, if you give yourself a deadline, however you get to that end point, doesn't need to be sitting there for five hours and getting it done. It could be, you know, 20 minutes over the course of a couple of weeks. And I just want to say this ties into what you just mentioned, Elisa, but you're always so good about saying whatever it is and how it looks like for you, 
don't compare yourself to other people in general, any time of the year, but especially during this time of the year, again, Mm -hmm. it's whatever works for you and your situation, your family. I mean, however it looks, if that's what worked for you, that's the way you were going to best do it. So don't, don't look at the neighbors. Don't look at another family member on the other side of the, on the other side of the world that like has a lot of support and resources near them. You know, you, whatever it looks like to you, that's how it goes. Right. So, and you always say that at least, and I just want to call that out because it's really important. We're not all in the same situation. That's exactly right. And I also want to call out, you know, giving yourself the pat on the back for those little steps, because I think when we break the big tasks up in the little steps, our tendency as women is to not give ourselves credit. Like those little steps don't count, but they really do because they're getting you closer to the goal. So make sure you, Amen. you give yourself credit for all the bite-sized pieces that you're, you're knocking off along the way. Awesome. Thank you, Thanks, Elisa, Elisa, for everything as always. All right. Time for Anything Goes where we talk just about anything. Yes, jingle bells, holiday, holiday, everything. We're in the thick of it. And today, Sue and I thought it would be cool to uh, do a segment on setting a holiday mood without breaking the bank. Um, Because as we know, you can go just as crazy with Christmas decorations and as much as you would do on your giving, right, Sue? Oh, absolutely. And, um, and then the rest of the year, and I'm so guilty of this. I used to get so into buying holiday decorations and it was just part of the experience of, of Christmas for me, but then the rest of the year, I got to pack all that stuff away <laughs> and find exactly. space for it. And, and it is a lot of money. Holiday decorations get really expensive. So I'm excited to talk about these. What are some of your ideas? All right. Well, one thing, and I'm in that boat this year, you know, we, we've accumulated a lot of things over the last couple of years. And I was like, you know what, I'm not going to do anything grand as far as adding to the collection. Um, and we do a, a real tree cause that, so that's already an expense. Um, so I said, what can I do? So I was looking at my living room and I have all of these like throw pillows. And I was like, well, I've got the pillows. Let me look for holiday pillowcases. And sure enough, Amazon came up with like sets of four, sets of two, whatever, for really reasonable prices. I think I got a set of four for like $15 and automatically it just changed the look of the living room. And it's an easy thing. It's something I already had. And I just switched out the pillowcase. How did we ever holiday before Amazon? <laughs> I know Jeff Bezos. Goodness. Well, if, if you're trying to cleverly do your Christmas or your holidays without just leaning on Amazon, look out your back window. (laughs) That's my tip because, um, I live in a place that has a lot of beautiful greenery, uh, in South Carolina. And my tip for not breaking the bank and still getting a beautiful holiday decor is to just cut greenery from outside. I use magnolia leaves because we have Mm. magnolia trees here. I cut off magnolia boughs and I just make a, a, throw them in the bathtub with warm water and, and some soap to wash off whatever ick might be on there. And then I decorate the mantle with them. Um, they do not last all season. So I do have to like throw them out at, at some point though, but that, that works great for me. Cause then I don't have to store them. So look outside and think creatively about what you could bring in. Oh, I so agree with that. I love fresh greens and green is one of the colors of the season in December. Mm-hmm. So I love that idea. A toilet paper trick is my next one. And I learned this, I was at, I don't know, maybe a home goods or a hobby lobby uh, during Thanksgiving a couple of years ago. 
And again, adding to my collection of holiday things that I've got to store, <laughs> I saw this cute little pumpkin and it had like this gingham, like plaid and the autumny colors. And it looked like just a little pumpkin. I'm like, this is so cute. I wonder how much it is. And I go to ask and she's like, actually, that's not for sale. That's a roll of toilet paper covered in a napkin in a really like a cotton napkin that you would set on the table. And How I was like, are you paper roll shaped like a pumpkin? So she, basically you get it you, and you kind of put the toilet paper roll inside of the napkin and you start creating these little creases that look like the lines on a pumpkin. And it looked like a cute little pumpkin. I'm telling you. So for years now I've been doing that and you can add like a little stick from outside to give it that look of the stem, you know, of the pumpkin, all that to say, you can do the same thing and create a snowman inside. So if you have like decorative napkins that you already own and pretty much everyone I know has toilet paper, at least I hope so. Um, just take <laughs> some of those. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I should, yeah, I should have thought about that one. But anyway, hopefully you have scored some toilet paper since then. Um, but you can use your decorative napkins and create like a, a snowman or something decorative using that. And it was just a really cute idea. I need to see this because it sounds really clever. I, love I, it. I challenge you to give it a shot. Okay. I love candles and I think you do too, Vanessa. I had it on my list. <laughs> so I just saw this. I haven't actually personally tried this, but I'm going to, you can create ice candle holders. So what you do is you take a bowl, a plastic bowl, fill it with water and put another smaller bowl inside and also fill that with water. So right in the center, I'm going to try okay. to describe this for you without, okay. without having a visual aid and you freeze that. Then, okay. and, and you could even drop some like cranberries or little green greenery things in the, in the water so that it freezes. Okay. Then you take it out of the freezer. You take the center little smaller bowl of frozen water out. So, you now have a depression, a little opening. That's the size of your pillar candle. And you take your pillar candle and you set, or your tea candle, whatever size you're doing. And you set that in this, this frozen bowl of ice. Now that it, it's basically a holder. Uh -huh. And you can put that out on your steps. You can do a bunch of them. Um, and it's like basically just an ice, a block of ice with, with a candle that's sitting, you know, in, inside of it, um, oh, you know, on pretty. the top and it sparkles and, and looks really pretty. And then when it melts, you don't have to store a candle, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. uh, it looked really, really pretty, um, online. And I'm going to try that because we have front steps and I don't, necessarily want to go out and buy great, big, beautiful pillar candle holders mm -hmm. for my house. But I think if I set ice out there and it just gradually melted and I had some tea candles, that could be really pretty. So I love that. Yeah. I'll have to give that a shot too. And it seems pretty easy and something you can do with the kids even mm -hmm. exactly. sprinkle some glitter in there, all the things I love it. <laughs> Setting a mood, uh, scents, fragrance, and then obviously anything that looks pretty leaning into the greenery with you, Sue cinnamon sticks, pine cones. Mm. That is the season all wrapped up into, into one, um, with a ribbon. So, you know, you're gift wrapping anyway. So if you have ribbon or even the stick on bows, you can create something with the pine cone and the cinnamon sticks. And with the cinnamon sticks, you get the extra fragrance too. So I love using natural things because I like kind of um, that rustic-y feel. <laughs> I don't know. It feels cozy to me. I agree. I love that. Speaking of wrapping paper, you can also take bits and pieces of holiday wrapping paper and you can buy those rolls for, you know, three for a dollar at the dollar store a lot of mm -hmm. times. Um, and use those to 
up level, upscale your serving platters for cookies and different things like that. You just cut out a piece of wrapping paper, the shape of your serving platter. Even if it's just an everyday dish, it can turn into something really pretty. You set the wrapping paper on top of that and then you lay out your cookies or your treats or whatever it is. You can even, I know one year I took a roll of wrapping, holiday wrapping paper, and I just ran it down the center of our dining room table and made it a table mm, runner. And I that love was really that. Pretty. And then, yeah. And then you can just throw it out afterwards. Cause again, it's inexpensive. Ah, I love that. Everyone has ornaments that like the little hooks have fallen off of. And if you don't have the hooks to replace them with ornaments on a serving tray also look really, really pretty mm -hmm. um, and effortless. And again, you throw a pine cone in there, a little cinnamon stick, and you have a little arrangement right off the bat. Right. And if you have more ornaments and you have treats and, and honestly, yeah. at the point in life I'm at, we have so many ornaments from over the years that, and we don't really do a huge tree. We used to do a really gigantic tree, but our house is smaller now hang those ornaments around the house. Mm -hmm. Use those, I mean, ornaments again are inexpensive. You can get them at the dollar store and you can hang them in the bathroom or do little um, clusters of them around your front entryway, but, but use the ornaments as, as an inexpensive decoration as well. I love it. Holiday socks. If you have holiday socks, you can up-level your containers. So whether that be a vase or even uh, a candle that you have that might not be decorated, you can put a sock around it. And it's kind of like a mitten for your container, if you will. And it just up levels it a little bit. I thought that was fun. <laughs> that um, is fun. Um, and then I just have one other one, which is you can get figurines, little plastic figurines. Sometimes they're even like children's old toy figurines that they, that they no longer play with and spray paint them gold or silver, especially oh, if yeah. there's like a little plastic deer figurines, for example, and then you can set those things out um, and turn those into little holiday decorations as well without actually having to go out and pay three times as much to buy something. Well, a lot of times they've done that already, right? They're, char mm -hmm. they're charging you for having done the spray painting of gold and silver. I exactly. love that idea. That is so sweet. Yes. The last one I have is peppermints and candy canes. I mean, you can't go wrong. Like you can hang those on your tree, on your wreath, set them out. It gives that vibe, the holiday season mood, uh, that with the cozy jazz playlist, of course. So of course, and just plan on <laughs> replenishing your decorations throughout the season, because at my house, those candy canes disappear. <laughs> Very good tip. Well, we hope that these are some clever ways to not break the bank, but still create a very nice holiday environment for your family and friends this holiday season. Thanks for joining us here on We Get Real AF. Make sure you subscribe to the show and text this episode to a friend. Also, we need money, honey. Find us at ifundwomen.com. We have patron exclusives waiting for you. Plus, you'll just feel good. Special thanks to our WeGraph Live events and technical director, Mitchell Machado. You can find Mitchell on LinkedIn, spelled M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L-M-A-C-H-A-D-O. And we want to give a big thanks to our podcast sound designer, Sam McLean, that's spelled M-C-L-E-A-N, of InPhase Audio. Thanks for listening.